Hello, world. Welcome to this week's episode of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. Slays, what a week it was. We have a new world, number one, and he might just be a friend of the program. Yes, friend of the program. Actually, our debut guest here on Golf Subpar. And man, I, I don't know about you. I loved watching this event this week. I feel like all of a sudden here we are in the middle of july and a u.s open broke out like this thing looked different than everything we've seen so far this year we've we're you know the six weeks back first five weeks soft greens no wind easy conditions guys shooting 20 under and jack put a stop to that real quick it shows you what a firm fast golf course will will do to, it even exposes the best players in the world i mean we have all these 19 to 25 unders winning golf tournaments they get a firm firm golf course very firm greens some rough and single digits wins. Yeah, do you think this does anything to the conversation about tone back the ball, tone back the equipment? Because you got guys like number one, for instance, Tony Finau, Bryce. These guys were hitting drives over 400 yards. I saw guys hitting it way down there, crazy distances, missing the green on number one, simply because if they weren't in the fairway and the greens were firm. Like This seems like a blueprint for here's how you make golf hard. I mean, it's it's no secret. We've known for years when it's firm and fast, it, it plays a lot harder. There's There's no doubt about that. When you actually have to hit fairways, Golf's a lot harder for these guys, and I just wish more tournaments would take note. Like, I get it. You can't always control Mother Nature. You can't get everything firm all the time, but you can damn sure grow your rough up. Yeah, that's an easy thing to do. You don't have to have 20-mile-an-hour wins. You grow some rough up, firm up some greens. Golf gets a lot harder. What do you think as, like, a spectator on the other side of this? Because I know you played some really hard conditions when you were playing. Is it fun for you to – like, I personally love it. I love. I don't want this every single week, but I love seeing guys go out there, and even par is a great score. There's so few places on the PGA Tour where that's the case. I love seeing a round of golf. Like, John Rom shot 68 on Saturday. He's like, that might be the best, one of the best rounds of golf yeah. I've ever played in my life. I love, I love that. And we had John Cook on our SiriusXM show earlier today talking about Muirfield Village, which no one knows it better than he does being an Ohio State Buckeye. And he's like, to get it close at Muirfield Village, it's like Augusta. You don't go with the pins. You go with sections yeah. and slopes and work it in there. So you actually have to think your way around. If you have 140 yards, you just don't hit a 140-yard shot. You might try to like think, okay, let's land it at 130. 15 feet right of the hole, it'll catch the slope yeah, catch and feed the slope. down. You actually have to think a lot more than just, you know, throwing throwing a dart out there. Yeah, I love that. I mean, John Rahm played unbelievable. I mean, technically one by three. I think he won by five. If, you, yeah. if you're talking to me, I think the ruling at the end was complete horse shit. And we're opening up a can of worms if we're going to use 10x zoom and slow motion to determine when the, and when there is not a penalty. But, like, it just goes to show, like, you do that to a golf course. I think the best player, obviously, won this week. He won by a landslide. But I would love to see more golf courses try to emulate what Muirfield Village did this week. It's, it's not rocket science. Rough, firm greens. Everyone can do it. If you get wind, that's a bonus. But, like, there was no 20 under that was going to yep. happen this week on Jack's watch. Yep. So, congrats to John Rahm on becoming number one in the world. Our first ever guest, obviously. Feels good to be on top, Colt. It does. It does. But also good to see Tiger Woods back in action little rusty yeah what do you think greens. about tig uh swing looked okay back looked a little little tweaked on friday but i thought the swing and everything he was moving pretty well i mean i think the thing that doesn't get talked about enough is i know he's in great shape but muirfield village is a very tough walk and not walking a golf course for five months is tough on the body and you know it was good to see him back he made the cut finished 40th i i'm really excited to see if he plays before the pga i think he will at the wgc at memphis and knock a little more rust off and he'll be ready to go come PJ championship. I think he's got to play because like everyone talks about his driver. That's the big issue. Will he drive it straight? I think T to green. He was still one of like, I think in the top 10 strokes gained with his iron seventh. play this yep. week, right? Seventh. All that's fine. I think the biggest, the weirdest thing that I saw from Tiger this week, he looked unlike I've ever seen before on the greens. I saw him hit a few putts like 10 feet in where he's the best putter in the history of golf from 10 mm -hmm. feet in. I saw him hit a few this week that had no chance. And I think that's just strictly 
A, those greens are arguably the hardest on the PGA Tour to put. They're so fast and so slow. But B, he hadn't played any golf either nope. in, time, in that time. I think he and needs to play again if he has any realistic possibility of showing up to the PGA Championship thinking he's going to have his best stuff. I agree. I think he's going to be just fine. He'll knock some rust off. But now it's time to get into a little funny money. Let's Please do it. See. And I played this this week's tournament on the PGA Tour. is the 3M up in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. And I was there last year. Had the weekend off, believe it or not. It's all right. Short week. <laughs> so Nothing once wrong. again, Four hour my funny money story does not involve golf, but this is great. You'll love this because you're a hustler. You're a gambler. Let's go. You'll appreciate this. So missed the cut. Stay the weekend in Minneapolis. Minnesota Twins baseball team. Yes. In ta- they're in town. I'm aware. Hosting my former home city, the Texas Rangers. Okay. I got some good friends. My boy Jim Fernholes up in, up yes. in Minnesota. Fern. Great dude. Fernie. Legend. Gets us tickets right above the Texas Rangers dugout. First row. Tom Lovelady was there, former PGA Tour player, missed the cut, likes to get amongst it a he little bit. He ain't afraid. So we were having some cocktails, talking trash. It's like, yeah, we're going to the Twins game tomorrow. Tom was going as well. I was like, bet you 500 I catch a ball tomorrow. He's like, what? And I was like, 500 I catch a ball. He's like, no way. I'm like, all right, done. Bet. Bet. So one of my good buddies, Elvis Andrews, plays shortstop for the Texas Rangers. I go, hey, dude, I'm actually in Minnesota. I'm coming. I'm sitting right above your dugout tomorrow. I need you to throw me a ball. <laughs> He's like, are you serious? And I was like, yes. Yeah, don't question me, dude. So it was great. We showed up late. We were like third inning. Go to our seats right above the dugout. Elvis is running off the field. Sees me. He goes, hey, you're fucking late. But here, threw me a ball. <laughs> ball. Caught it. Tom, pay me. Did Tom give any bitch? Like, no, that's not He's a like, live that's ball. He's like, bullshit. That yeah. doesn't count. I'm like, hey, I said catch. I didn't say foul ball. I said catch. I bet I will catch a ball. Hey. Technically, got it. Got outsmarted. Hey, that's please. how you hustle. Got that's some Titanic, Titanic Thompson type I love it. It was, right it was a lot of fun. So hopefully next time we do funny money, I'll actually it might involve golf. But yeah, <laughs> maybe one where we get on the course. Yeah, I'm very limited. But these are more far between. But I love that. Sorry, yeah. Tom Lovelady. All right, well, use your brain a little bit. In other news, we have started to gain a lot more social media followers, and I know some of them have s- submitted some questions. And producer Mark, fire a couple, maybe one or a couple off at us. Yeah, we'll start off with one this week because it's for both you guys. Um, Scott Faber on Twitter wants to know, after witnessing some of the meltdowns this weekend, what's your best meltdown story on the course? Oh, mine's oh, wow. mine is Does so it have easy. to be us personally or one that we witnessed? I think just best all around. Okay. Is this you like got an one? attitude explosion or like playing bad? This is like what Rom or DeChambeau sort of had happen to them where they just sort of melted down middle of the course well i don't think i've ever had one where i've just like freaked out but like i had a disaster at quail hollow wells fargo championship i was in third place with nine holes to play on friday and i believe i finished i bogeyed um 13 14 15 16 17 and doubled 18 to miss the cut by a shot and i'm pretty sure that's a meltdown that would classify as a meltdown i think slightly just maybe par one hole coming in just give me one just give me one non-square six and made made the cut that's a good feeling Nope, couldn't That's do it. That's how I used to start doing the math. I was like, dude, I can bogey four of the last yep. five and still play the weekend. Perfect. I, I finished, and I and Anthony Kim played really well that day. That's when he was still playing. He Shocker. Was in, he was in top ten. And we get in the locker room, and I was like, nice playing, dude. He's like, you too. I go, nah. He goes, what? You're in third. When I looked at the leaderboard, he was, I was like, yeah, I'm packing my shit. Yeah, I'm in I'm 73rd here. now, bud. <laughs> yeah, see ya. <laughs> Scroll down a few pages. Yeah. You'll see the kid So down that's there. definitely mine. I played, uh, this is like, this, I just will never forget this in the history of my life. I watched a guy four putt the final hole of first stage of Q school when mm. a three putt would have gotten. I'll spare oh. you all the details. There was previous meltdown on the holes leading up. This was at Lantana in Dallas, which mm-hmm. you're aware of. Uh, he was, cr- dude, he was fine. He was cruising in, uh, no sweat. 
last hole, um, we pretty much know where the number is, but you don't really know exactly. And I was like, bogey for this kid gets it done, right? The other two of us, we were already in. We're just kind of watching this kid. He lays up on the short par four. You can drive it up by the green if you want. Number nine, Atlantana. And uh, hits it on the green, spins it back off the tier. has got 50 feet. And I was like, dude, just blow it to the back of the green. You yeah. got two uphill putts. It's over. You're good. What's he do? Leaves it short. Mm. Now he's got this downhill greaser. And I was like, oh, dude, don't. I don't even want to watch it. Like, I'm just like, don't do it. Don't. I don't want to watch a four whack. Hits it like six feet by. And now I'm like, okay. Now he's got to make the third. Misses it. Doesn't say a word. Taps in. And we're both, me and the other dude looking at each other like, I'm pretty sure that just missed. And he ain't going to second stage. Gets done. We have a shuttle into the cart. Doesn't say a word. No one's saying a word. It's silent. We drive in there. He takes his golf club. Takes, he's holding his putter the entire time. Sets his golf club down. Proceeds to beat the shit out of his golf I mean, There are zero <laughs> clubs that survived this meltdown right in front of the scoring tent. And no one says a word because everyone's just like yeah. sad for him at the time. Not a single club. And he walked off and left his golf bag there with his putter, which was beat to all hell too. And I don't know if it, like whoever is caddy or whatever picked it up. But like, dude, it was like silence, like a like a dead body. Yeah, that's, been a, shown. I was like, that's a tough one. The four, Q school stories are nightmares. Four, but, dude, it was like bogey, bogey, oh. four putt to, to miss by one. All right, well, love it. Keep those questions coming. You can reach us at, at golf subpar on both Instagram and Twitter. I, I love this I segment. Love we need more of those. I love those. I love talking about meltdowns. But speaking of things I don't love, that's our next guest. <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> the Seagull, Charlie Hoffman, joined us, and uh, what a beauty he is. God, we have a good time with this man right here. He is a peach. It is shocking that he is like the head of the pack right now. He is the guy that's speaking on behalf of the players, because when you listen to this man, he's got two different sides. He's got the Seagull side, and he's got Charlie Hoffman, the business side. And you get a little bit of both in this interview right here. He, you really do. He, I mean, he very much cares about the PGA Tour. Oh, yeah. And he, he was one of the guys that was like texting all the players. He's like, please vote for me. I'll do a good job at this. I want to I want to be the chairman of the pack and all this, but he's a guy. Me and him have a ton of history together. Obviously, we yeah, you love, guys go way back. We love to trash talk each other. Love to play practice rounds together. Uh, but he's a beauty. I was I was interested to see how this interview goes because it's hard for me and him to be real serious. Yeah, when we first, I think even before like we started recording, I was like, Jesus, like two like flirting <laughs> schoolgirls right here, like two third grade girls just going at each other. I was like, this is gonna be interesting. So we had a good time with him. But he does take his pack role seriously. But there's also another side of him that he can get amongst it quick. All right, well let's get right to it. Here's the seagull, Charlie Hoffman. Kaka, 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 kaka. It is now time. To welcome on our next guest of Golf Subpar, the one, the only, seagull of the PGA Tour, Mr. Charlie Hoffman. Thanks for joining us. How's it going, guys? Uh, thanks for having me, Colt. <laughs> That's the nicest intro we've ever yeah. done for anyone on this show. I mean, at least I have sound effects for you. But we got to get right into it, because I don't know if a lot of people know about the whole seagull name, but can we talk about where it originated and what it, exactly it means? And do you like it? Well, originated for uh, John Ballinger and Bill Lundy, to be completely honest with you. Uh, those, those guys lived in Vegas. We did a lot of practicing together. Malley lived there for about a year until uh, he decided it was best interest to go back to California and pay taxes again. But uh, you know what? Uh, it's just something we were talking a lot of trash. And somehow I think Malley called Lundy a seagull. And then next thing you know, he called me a seagull. And then Colt found out that Malley called me a seagull and it stuck. Believe it or not, Colt's mouth was running again. And, uh, and I embraced it. I mean, I, I like to talk a little bit of crap and you can, you can say other on. words on this show just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Good you nature. Free. Yeah. I'm, I, I am always free. Uh, but, uh, no, it, it's something that you got, uh, you and Mally and Lundy, I'd say, and then other guys started, uh, picking up on it and I, I embraced it. I, I don't have a problem with it. It's, it's something I enjoy doing. Do you think it's a fair nickname? Do you, because <laughs> 
like you supposedly just fly around and shit on people. That's where it came from. But you feel like that's a fair assessment of what you do. Yeah, I, I would say I fly around and talk shit about people. I don't know if I okay. shit on people. I mean, I, I think that's a little, <laughs> little aggressive. But I mean, maybe, maybe throw talk shit. And, but I, but the thing is, what's great about me, I think, is I'll talk shit in front of your face, not behind your back. So yeah, that's uh, fair. That's all you can ask. I, I love that about you, and it's no secret that Charlie and I go at it pretty well. It's hard to it's tell. Pretty, I mean, it's hard. To we tell. really, we really love each other. Ever since I missed one of his pro ams. Yeah, Colton. Colton. Uh, I mean, he's a small little target, but he's round, so I can hit him a lot. <laughs> there you go. Ding ding. Let's start this. Oh Let's God, just keep this the, going. Uh, how does it I'll feel to be the score. ugliest human on the PGA Tour? Go. Oh, there we go. God. I'll keep score. It's uh, one to one right now. Seven seven. That stash is really flattering, by the way. But <laughs> let's get into it. You mentioned Bill Lundy earlier. You played at UNLV with the likes of Mr. Lundy, Chad Campbell, Chris Riley, Adam Scott. First off, how the hell did all y'all end up in Las Vegas, and what a loaded team that is? You know, what, uh, all credit to Dwayne Knight uh, in recruiting. I mean, we had the best facilities in the world, uh, and probably still do. I mean, we had, we played at Shadow Creek. Colt, Colt's been there a few times. I don't know if he remembers being there, but he's been there a few times. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, it, it's just a great practice facility. It's a, a great spot to, uh, learn the game of golf. We had the desert in when I was there. Uh, you had, geez, it goes to the Las Vegas country club. The list goes on and on. It was, it was, it was a great spot. I remember going out to clubs and, and most college places are like, or you can go out here Monday, you go out here Tuesday, another golf course, Wednesday, Thursday, but Vegas, we would, we would travel to each golf course and play qualifying and, Next thing you know, we'd go practice out of course. And they would go, why weren't you out here last week? What, why, why, why aren't you using our facilities? We need to do something different. They embraced uh, our college golf, pro golf program. Uh, and the facilities in the desert were awesome. Obviously, you got two TPCs out there now. And uh, it's just a, it's a golf mecca. It's a, it's a great place for uh, a kid to get better at golf. And to be honest with you, before you're 21, you can't get in too much trouble in Vegas. Uh, you think Vegas, you need money. Uh, and you got to be 21, uh, two things I didn't have in college. So it was a pretty good place to, uh, go to school and, uh, prepare for, uh, the PGA tour and, and get a degree. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. Cause it can be hard enough to stay focused on golf at any school across the U S but when you're in Vegas and you got that in your backyard, how hard is that? And how, like, it sounds like you did a pretty good job, but did you stay away from that? Or was that hard? Uh, you, you have to stay away. I mean, oops, there's my dog. Kids are home. Watch out. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it was, uh, it was a place that, I mean, you could get into trouble, but like I said, there, the, the, it was state of the art, uh, um, ID people looking at IDs before there were things you ran your ID through, uh, you had to have money. I didn't have any money, uh, unless I went and caddy that shadow Creek. I mean, we would caddy on a regular basis out there, but not enough to get in any trouble, maybe enough to go to a, a local place once you turn 21 a local bar or something but uh you know what it, it was a, a great spot and for me growing up in san diego it was close enough to home if i needed to go home and see an instructor or get out of the heat i could i could do the four and a half hour drive and uh, get back home yeah well that's I wanna, no, go ahead. it's a perfect follow-up to this because that's funny that you say that because we actually i spoke to a good friend of yours mr ricky barnes and he actually told me a story that kind of contradicts a little bit about what you're saying but apparently he was there Roughly around the year 2000 for a recruiting trip. He's one of the highly recruited guys in the United States of America. And he showed up and like you mentioned, Coach Knight runs a tight. Mind. Yeah, in his own mind. Exactly. <laughs> Coach Knight runs a tight ship. So you guys had a 7 a.m. putting practice the next morning. 
Ricky shows up. He's going around meeting all the guys. You guys are doing putting drills. He comes over to talk to you. You're knocking a couple putts in the hole. You go down to reach in to get the ball out of the hole, and some and some casino chips fall out of your pocket. So it sounds like you might add a little more money than you talk about. Well, that that night I did because I won. <laughs> no, uh, you know what? Uh, that was Ricky Barnes' recruiting trip. I was obviously uh, as as age by then. I was 21. I was my uh, senior year, uh, and. Uh, you know, recalling what happened or vaguely recalling what happened is we took Ricky on his recruiting trip and was very mellow and did everything by the book. And then once we dropped uh, him off, we went out and had fun. Unfortunately, we had practice at 6.37 in the morning and I might have been a tad late, which is not good for Dwayne Knight. Dwayne Knight is uh, that's like one of the few things you can't do is be late. And uh, you know what? Uh, I got in a little bit of trouble for that. The the, the story is true. I uh, I showed up and it's like Ricky's already there. Guys are putting, and uh, I had gone to sleep and I just threw the clothes on I had the night prior. I didn't even know I'd cashed out for any chips, and obviously didn't cash out for chips or forgot the ones that, that were in my pocket. And uh, I went over and hit that three footer, and it was dewy in the morning, and uh, the putter slipped right out. Chips went tumbling. I I went sort of forward stumbling and uh i caught myself and i i still to the day i don't know if Dwayne saw it saw it all happen i know plenty of the players do but i'm not sure if Dwayne actually saw it happen but i i to say the least got a ass chewing on that next monday morning uh at, at workouts and uh and i was lucky enough to uh go to the next event and we won the next event and we had a uh any, you would have to run laps if you were late, and I had probably the Thomas Mack Center was the uh, basketball center there where the running Rebels – actually, I guess they're not the Rebels anymore from all, all I know, but the running something. Were like, and we'd have to run up and down every stair in there if you were late. So I, I was I was due two of those for how late I was, go around up and down every stair twice. But if you won the tournament that week or the team won the tournament that week, not individual – Everything was wiped out. Thank God. Oh my! We were God. really, really, really good, and uh, we won the tournament that week. And I, I didn't have to uh, run the Thomas and Mac twice. I did. Believe me, there was other times I did have to uh, run those Thomas Macs. And uh, there, there were times where guys uh, didn't do very well going around those things. And uh, I mean, puking, and I mean all different other stories. You, you lucky, lucky, yeah, lucky bastard. Knight would have had your ass too if yeah. he saw those chips. By the way, yeah, but, but I, I, there's no question. You mentioned how good your team was, obviously, and I mentioned it earlier. Chad Campbell, Chris Riley, Bill Lundy, Adam Scott. Who was the star of that team? And you, obviously, you yourself. Uh, definitely not me. I was probably the four man of best. Uh, during those years, uh, Bill Lundy was probably the rock on our team. To be clear, really? honest. he was he he was the steadiest best player through those years uh you had uh jeremy anderson was really good oh, in college yeah. his college years i mean he got his tour card right out of college he was a, he was a great amateur golfer and turned professional and had uh, limited success but was a great great player uh we just had a really solid deep team uh and i wouldn't say there was any real superstars on that team at during the time but we had just had a great great solid crew of people that uh, enjoyed to compete and uh, pushed each other well, I know, I know you lived with Bill Lundy later on in college, and I heard y'all had some epic domino battles. Can you share any evenings of dominoes where maybe some Snoop Dogg was involved? 
Oh, Snoop was there. We we played dominoes on a regular basis. It's actually something I miss. We I mean, <laughs> we used to maybe have a few uh, 40s and play some Snoop Dogg and uh, <laughs> roll the dominoes. And and uh, you know what? It, it, it was a blast. I mean, it, it, we had epic battles. Uh, we had saying for all the numbers uh, that you get. Sweet Christine, that's 15. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever played dominoes, but I and I, I promise you, I could I could walk down uh, somewhere uh, in in a different area and maybe get a, a decent game going on and uh, have a, really really enjoy it. I love it. That is awesome. Little forties and dominoes. Yeah, just college. You know, that's what we do. Yeah, well, you, you you turn pro after. Yeah. Well, hold up, real quick. When when Adam Scott, he was there really briefly at UNLV. When he showed up, a what was he like? What did you think of him? And B, when he showed up, were you like, this kid definitely ain't gonna last long in college? You know, Adam Scott was a scrawny, skinny kid out of Australia. Um, you know what? You looked at his golf swing; and it looked a lot like Tiger Woods. You would, you expect a lot from him, but it, he definitely didn't college by any means. Uh, he. Uh, there's lots of good stories about Adam Scott I could tell, but I'm not going to tell them all. But I used to drop him off at the Greyhound bus, and he used to go down like he had a girlfriend in LA, LA that was from Australia, and a little Asian girl, and uh, he he she lived in LA. They went to the same boarding school in college or in high school from Australia. I used to drop we'd go to putting that putting practice on Saturday morning, and then I'd drop him off at the bus stop, literally the Greyhound bus in downtown Vegas, and he'd take the Greyhound bus down to LA to see his girlfriend, and then come back and be back you know, workouts that Monday morning. And uh, I mean, there's lots of stories. Now he's flying his own private jet. I was going to say, yeah, yeah he's, now up, he's got his own plane. He's upgraded. Ain't no Greyhound bus happening. Yeah. But uh, you know what? I, I thought Adam Scott was really good for one reason. It wasn't because of his golf shots he hit, but he always had, I call it the it factor, the competitive factor that he always wanted to kick your butt. Even if it wasn't playing good, he, he could grind it out. Uh, he could, uh, just he, he those last like well three holes when the competition was on the line he he always stepped it up he had I, a lot of I mean a lot of guys on PGA Tour have it but uh, it's just you can't describe it it's it he has it and uh, he's able to get the ball in the hole when it counts and uh, that's that's what I knew what was special about him at college I it, it wasn't his ball striking it wasn't his putting it was the it it was uh, better than anybody else that's, that's you got awesome. a good eye Charles oh very do good not eye. compliment him. No, first off, Charles and I are aligned, dude. That mustache, Jesus. We can discuss that at a later date. But you do have four PGA Tour wins. Yes, I know that's four more than I do. Shut up, don't say it. I'll beat you to this. Get punch. out in okay. front of it. Good, I already know good, what you're very say. good. Okay, eight mile. Yourself. Your last one being the 2016 Valero Texas Open. Of those four wins, which is your favorite? You've obviously won some some big ones. You know, I mean, they all obviously have a special place. I mean. I think the first one was the biggest personally because you get out. It was my first event, my second year on tour. And obviously keeping your car in the PJ tour is no small feat. Your rookie year, uh, able to do that was huge. And then the win right out of the gate, my second year sort of validated what I did that rookie year and obviously validated me as a professional golfer. Uh, so that first win, I mean, meant a lot. You, you had a little bit of security uh, by winning. You're going to, Cole, you wouldn't know this. Always have a place to practice. Uh, the TPCs always have a place to uh, First play off, on the- I'm yes. America's guest, sir. I'm America's Get guest. Him. At least you, at least you know. But uh, no, that one validated. And then obviously the biggest one was a playoff win that I had. I, I would say, in uh, in uh, Boston. But uh, 
all of them obviously are, weren't easy or none of them were easy. Uh, but I think that first one sort of meant the most just validating me as a professional golfer and me being able to stay on the PGA Tour for, for forever for the most part. Well, I'll be honest. I was rooting very hard for John Rollins in Palm Springs and Patrick Reed in San Antonio. The well, Palm you, were like, you, were, Patrick you were like 14 at the time. I mean, you probably, I mean, you weren't I even watching golf. You. I still hated you. I was like, this, God, this guy's ugly. How's he going to win it? How's he going to be a face of a tournament? Come on. We're not I like this Reed guy. He seems pretty yeah, likable. He, he seems awesome. <laughs> he seems like a likable fellow. Oh. But Charlie, Charlie, let me get, like, when you first turned pro, you came out, you had, you spent five years before you got your PGA Tour card, but you were great in college. You had, you know, you had a, you were an All-American NCAA team championship. When you turned pro, did you expect to get to the tour right away? Was like that the expectation? Or did you think like, hey, maybe a couple years on the Nationwide is best for me? Uh, you know what? I th always thought it was good enough. I mean, I made, I made the cut as an amateur a couple of times in San Diego. I put the Buick Invitational back then. Now the Farmers Invitational, or Farmers uh, Open, uh, and I made the cut when I was an amateur. And it was it, that's sort of what drove me to want to be a professional golfer was being able to make the cut as an amateur. Uh, and then I didn't have. I mean, you you can call it successful college career. I didn't win any individual titles. I I mean, we had a solid team. Uh, nothing stuck out, but uh. I was able to get through Q school my first year out of school, which was, I think, me, myself, and Ruji Amata, who played a bunch of years on tour, were the only two guys from college to get through Q school that year and get it. Well, go to the finals, I'd say. I didn't get my tour card. Was go to it. So I got my um, web card. Back then, it was uh, the buy.com card. And I, I, I was really excited, obviously. Uh, and then I missed my first 16 cuts. 16 that's just a couple bad bounces dude that's a couple bad breaks not, i did not if, know that if if, if colt had done some <laughs> research here he would have known that but i do my research very well normally but i did not know i knew you made four cuts though yeah i didn't know it was 16 consecutive that's a tough one to swallow for six i missed my first 16 cuts and uh <laughs> this is a funny story that no one not very many people know is zach johnson and i traveled a little bit together that year actually a lot and uh, Zach missed it, I think, his first 12 to 14 cuts. So we're, we're really good together. I mean, we were awesome. But, uh, you know, we, Zach and I, we discussed on regular, I played with him last week, we discussed on a regular basis, we learned more that year about ourselves, about professional golf, uh, about failing, about what we needed to do to succeed. Uh, I think it really made us the, the guys we are. Zach Johnson, mine's a, in my mind, is a, obviously a Hall of Fame golfer right now if he quit the game of golf. Uh, I've definitely not, but I, we've both been on tour for, I've been on tour for 15 years. He's probably been close to 18 to 20 years. And to think about coming right out of college, I mean, we had a place to play, but missing 16 cuts in a row and like 12 to 14, I think Zach, Zach was. And to be able to get through that and play on the PGA tour for that long. And I mean, I, my best life lessons were, were that first year playing the fight.com uh, tour and missing those cuts. You took those <laughs> lessons to fire. in way different directions because he's the nicest guy in the world. And then there's you. Okay. So you definitely didn't learn the same things from this. Yeah. That's a strange <laughs> hotel group. I feel like with you and Zach no Johnson, kidding. That's, that's a unique tandem there. You know what? Uh, opposites attract, I guess. No, Zach and I are still good friends of the day. Obviously. Uh, I'm going to have to ask him. Clarify clarify. That. <laughs> <laughs> he, I, he'll definitely not answer your call. Oh, he loves me. <laughs> I was the MVP at his charity event last year. <laughs> no, Zach, 
Zach is a, a great person, a great golfer, and uh, we we uh, it definitely what is sort of an odd couple. But we we drove cross country together, stayed in a ton of extended stays together, and uh, had a lot of weekends off together. <laughs> How's the team energy in the in the group there when you're combined like over thirty cuts consecutively between the two of you? Not a lot of positive vibes, I would think, going around the hotel room. No, there, we I, it was literally we would like sit back and go, what do we need to do to get better? We go out and practice on the Saturday, Sunday, and then we jump and pack in our car. And we'd actually did a ton of Monday qualifiers back then. We would, uh, because our status obviously kept getting worse and worse and worse as we kept missing cuts. And <laughs> this is actually a great story about Zach. You might kill me uh, at the heels of yeah, this story, but uh, we're, we're coming man. on the end of, end of that stretch where it's Salt Lake City in a plane and uh, neither one of us are in the event. We just... We just drove from Midland, Texas, where we missed the cut. And uh, in backtrack a little bit, we're going to stop in Vegas, where I live, for a day or two, and then maybe practice, and then go to Salt Lake City for the Monday qualifier. Well, I didn't tell Zach I was moving out of my apartment <laughs> that week. <laughs> so you got some free movers. <laughs> So Zach Johnson, myself, and another guy, Randy Lean, uh, I get, we, I'm like, oh yeah, stay here, and then then I go, oh, I've got to move my all my shit out, and uh, I actually I think I move it all to move it all to a storage unit, and then I move into with Bill Lundy and in, uh, into the house he was renting. Anyways, it didn't take that long. I didn't have any, really anything at the time, anyways. But uh, that took like half a day. We went out and had a couple of drinks in Vegas that night, and uh, we drove to Salt Lake City that next morning. We both had to do that Monday qualifier that Monday afternoon. And we, because we signed up late and we're like the last group out. So we're playing together now. And Zach's all pissed off. He hits it in like the 16th hole. He hits in the water and he's like, falls up. He stands in the water and he has his pair of classic shoes on at the time and he steps in the water and he sinks. He's like, oh shit. Tries to pull his, pull his foot out. His shoe gets stuck in the mud, like suction cuffs out. That foot comes out, no shoe. He's all mad. Now he has one shoe. He takes that shoe off and throws it in the lake. <laughs> so he, got, he has no shoes on. And no sooner do we get to the green with no shoes on, he's covering in mud. He gets a call from the tour that he's in the tour and he's in the event. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. By the way, you were a seagull back then for having him help you move your shit out of your apartment. Yeah, that come, is unbelievable. Come to Vegas, guys. We'll get hey, some practice in. Maybe fun. we'll move all my shit out of my house too while we're there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You're the absolute worst. That's and that's incredible. the master's champion right there. The yeah. guy throwing his shoes in the lake. That's incredible. Oh, Did you know right. he was going to be as good as he was at the time? I mean, and he's obviously had a big career. He, he was always a quality ball striker. Uh, he's obviously all around great player now. His putting was a little bit suspect back then. He didn't have the Seymour putter yet. That Seymour putter sort of changed his career uh, in my mind. Uh, once he got that in his hand, he started to become, he became a great putter. And, uh, and uh, he's obviously still playing great golf to, the, to this day. Rooming with you for a year probably mm. toughened him up enough to do anything in, in life. If he could survive a year on the road with Hoff. Usually it goes two different directions. You're gonna be a world class player. You're gonna quit the game. One of the two. One and, two. and host a <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Then you then you get your own podcast. <laughs> and then you interview people. Yeah. Hang out with Charlie. You get a podcast or you're a major. Hmm, wonder what happened to me. Cool. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Great. But yeah. I know one of the things you're very passionate about is the player advisory council. I mean, you've been on the board for many years. I believe you're chairman now. Correct. Chairman, which uh, Mr. Chairman. 
I know you're that you're Kevin Chapel wanted me to ask you, are you more proud of what you've done on the board or what you've done on the golf course? Um, well, I'm more proud of Ke giving Kev Kevin Chapel's job back this next year by saving him. God, by the way, yeah, we need to talk about that <laughs> off air. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, he should be sending you gifts. I promise you, if that was Colt uh, under those circumstances, it would have gone that <laughs> no <other> direction. <laughs> <I cannot>. <laughs> <laughs> no New chance. rule, you're out. <laughs> You know what? Uh, I think I obviously like to voice my opinion, and a lot of a lot of people think the tour doesn't want to hear the hear that a lot. But actually, they enjoy hearing other people's opinion, and I think that's why I've fit in good in those closed door rooms and the board board calls and board uh, conferences. Is because I'm not free to speak my I'm free to I'm free to speak my mind and tell them what I think they need to improve. I've been wrong more than one time, but I've also been right a few times. But I uh, I really enjoy. Uh, being in the know more than anything what's going on and uh you know what it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird time now obviously my first term was uh three years prior to this and uh it was very smooth the tour was doing great and tiger woods came back and we got all we're signing new tv contracts and obviously COVID hits this year and the, the board meetings are a little bit different uh now than they were the previous three years uh and uh there there was a lot of learning uh through all this, and uh, I think we came out uh, pretty good in the end. I mean, we're the first sport sort of playing live and uh, being pr pretty safe about being healthy. And uh, it, it was a lot of calls and a lot of uh, a lot of talking to a lot of doctors and infectious disease doctors and World Health Organization and CDC. I mean, Jay Monahan is. Uh, I mean, he's he's a very special person. I mean, he he put everything aside. He stopped he stopped getting his pay. Uh, he's still not getting paid, to be fully honest. A lot of people don't know that. And uh, he's working harder than ever to keep us out there and make sure those, the players are making money and playing for full purse. I mean, you talk about baseball only playing for a certain amount of money. I mean, obviously, we missed tournaments and opportunity to make money, but we came back with no fans, those organizations not able to sell uh, corporate tents and so on and so forth. And we're still, as the players, playing for full, full purse, uh, which is pretty special. A lot of people uh, – don't know how much work went into that and make that make that happen yeah that is that is really awesome but say say charlie hoffman was commissioner of the pga tour what's the first mm. thing you would change i'm already gone so you can't say get me out of there uh wow that's a good question i i don't know if i'd change too much at this point i'm sure i could sit back and think about much but i tim fincham did an amazing job dean dean beeman did an amazing job before tim and jay's probably doing a little better than both of them. I mean, he's, he's bulldog. He puts good people around him, and uh, he's very personal. I think he knows every player in caddy by first name may know all their wives and not, to, not that you need to do that to be the commissioner, but I know that makes a difference in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, and he knows all the sponsors. He's not scared to call a sponsor when during the hard times, he's not scared to make a big, big step and move. And uh, I can tell you right now, I wouldn't want anybody else to be our commissioner right now. I definitely, uh, he he's led us through this and uh, I don't know if anybody else would have been able to do that, that job uh, that he's doing now, but I, I, I wouldn't change too much at this, this point in time. I think uh, we make, we make pretty good money uh, playing a sport, obviously comparable to baseball and so on and so forth. No guaranteed money. I think maybe something in that, that line, but I think what makes our sport special is not having any guaranteed money. I think it makes it a little bit different, makes it a little more uh, relatable to some people in the world. And, um, I don't think I'd change much. 
Well, keep your commissioner hat on right now because I want to float a few of the things that are going around in the world of golf right now and get your take on it. So right now the RNA is making some noise that they are possibly considering making some rollbacks in terms of like either the golf ball or the equipment or the combination of the two in terms to like battle the distances that guys are hitting it right now, namely probably Bryson is for the, the catalyst for all of this stuff. But do you ad- agree or disagree with a potential like rollback of the ball equipment or both? I'm not for bifurcation. I think, I think playing under one rules makes our sport really special. I, there was a time in my life I thought the tour could, could have come out and played by their own rules. Uh, I think we sort of missed that boat to be completely honest. Uh, not saying we can't do it, but I, I think Bryson's the perfect example to say why we don't need to roll back anything. The guy was uh, average to long hitter prior, and he, he went and worked his ass off and found a way to hit it further. I mean, that is the perfect example of getting better. Why would you want to roll it back? And to be completely honest, if we do roll it back, he's still going to have an advantage. He still worked his off, ass off to swing it harder, faster, and straighter. I mean, you can do all that, and he's hitting it straighter. Athletes are playing the game of golf now. Nothing against Nicholas's era, which whatever. There weren't the best athletes in the world were not playing golf. And it, I, I'm, I don't, I've never talked to anybody back in the time about that, but you'd be naive to say they were. The best athletes in the world are starting to play golf now. Uh, young kids are working out at young ages. Uh, they're more efficient. The teaching way better. The, I mean, a list goes on and on and on. That's why it's going further. Now, the Pro V1, the solid core golf ball, changed more than any changed the game of golf more than anything than the driver or a hybrid or anything that golf ball did. But you know what? That's what we have. We the PGA Tour only plays forty something events a year on forty. 40 something different golf courses. Not every golf course needs to be 7,000 yards or 7,500 yards. Are there a few of them that we need need to be that long? Yeah, probably, but it doesn't have to be. I promise you, you go get Riviera, which is a very, very long golf course, but not by tour standards, outrageously long. You firm those greens up and grow a little bit of rough. Even par wins that golf tournament. It, it has to do with conditioning. It has to do with a little bit of rough, and a little bit of firmness of the greens. If you, if, if you can get the greens firm, we, we just struggle no matter how long it is. So it, it, you don't need a long golf course uh, to make a great champion or make a great event. But uh, last time I checked, I don't think anybody had a problem with guys in the far making birdies. I, haven't, I don't think anybody called in and goes, oh, these guys are making too many birdies. It's, it, it's horrible to watch these guys make birdies coming down the stretch and making eagles to pass each other. It's great. That's great TV. I actually could argue the – even parse horrible TV. Who, who likes watching people make bogeys? It's not, I mean, maybe once a year at the U S open, but it, it's, it, that's actually not great television and make them. Actually bogeys. Colt has called in. I've called in and Colt said, guys, has called in and complaining about far. everyone's too long. It is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> this gym thing is bullshit. Yeah. You shouldn't be allowed to go in there. Drop it at 250 in the middle of the fairway yeah, and let's, let's figure it out from there. Let's play from 220 on every hole and see who yeah, wins, guys. Everyone get a hybrid and let's figure it out. All right. Well, we, <laughs> we got to get into this because our listeners, they like to have a good time. And obviously, if we, as we've gone over, as you're sipping on your mule, your guy's not scared to have a good time. None of us like missing cuts, but if you're going to miss a cut, what's the best city on the PGA Tour to miss a cut in for weekend festivities? Back, back when I was younger, and, and it's changed a lot. Uh, because of security and I think Hilton Head might have been the best best town oh. to miss a cut in. Yeah. Uh, I, that 
I mean, it's a secretive little spot, obviously, if you could go in Vegas or Dallas or something like that. But uh, I think uh, Hilton Head might have been the best spot. They had a cool little vibe down there, quarter deck, had some you could get a, a, on a boat party or something like that and uh, have a lot of fun if you happen to miss a cut in Hilton Head. And okay. you, you could walk everywhere, which was very important. Yes, that is very, very <laughs> true. And I've also done my research, and I've heard that you don't take any pain on missing research on missing cuts. You did that research? No, I've researched you. Okay, actually, I've just witnessed it in person. But you do not take any pain medication to help your hangovers because you feel like you deserve them. Explain, explain Whoa. this theory to me. That's, I don't get it. That's sociopath stuff. Uh, you know what? I deserve it. I I, I put myself through that pain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's not great pain. I can promise you that at all. Uh, very, very few times in my life I've taken the Advil. I've taken them for back pains and stuff on the golf course. Uh, but you know what? I, I, I don't do it after a hangover because you, you hit the nail right on the head. I, I, I think I deserve that, that hangover after. So you're, so you're telling me, yeah. you're telling me after the Travis Matthew event in Cabo in the airport, you didn't take any pain medication. I didn't, but I was a bit delusional that day. <laughs> oh my God, that's incredible! That's top. T- that's a top ten. I can promise you that one. Yes, that's a top ten. Yes. All right, that's a bit psychotic. I feel like to just what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I guess you know. All right, I that's can't a philosophy it. for some. Yeah. But if we're doing some fun stuff like this, all right. Speaking of hangovers, Charlie Hoffman's out playing with his boys on the golf course. What do you drink and what game do you play? You know. What? I very rarely, rarely drink on the golf course. It's uh, one, like a Travis Matthew event I used to drink at when I was when I was uh, representing Travis Matthew. Uh, if I go in Mexico, outside the country lines like Mexico with the group of guys, I'll drink. But if I'm at home, I don't drink on the golf course. I'm not. I'm, as I tell people, I'd be drinking 24/7 if I started drinking on the golf course playing with my friends. Uh, it, it. I don't think it's it's like going in the office, guys. Most people don't drink in the office, so uh, I'm a social guy. I, after the round, I'll have a, I'll have a, <laughs> I'll have a beverage. Uh, hmm. uh, but uh, I'm, 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 on, I'm not a drinker on the golf course, which might be, people might not believe it, but that, that is, that is the truth. Yeah, you respect. Yeah, I get it. Sometimes in Mexico, you jump in the ocean, have some cocktails, whatever. You know, no big deal. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's stripped down and but jump in the let ocean. Let me tell you, you know who man? my favorite Hoffman is, by the way, because I was. Texting your father earlier today, and he just got back to me. I said, Big Iron, shooting a podcast with your wonderful son in a bit. Could you share a funny story about him or something people might not know about him? His comment, he is a dick to play golf with. (laughs) (laughs) He is a dick to play golf with. Just (laughs) one sentence. That's all I got from him. From your old man. (laughs) How about that? I love it. He thinks you're a seagull, His own seed. Well... You learn from the biggest seagull of them all. That's that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> that is very very fair. Uh, I love it. Oh my god, but that's good. When you're when you're home in San Diego, you I know you play a lot of golf with Phil. What's your relationship, Phil Mickelson? What's your relationship like with him? And uh, and how often do y'all tee it up together when you're back home? Yeah, uh, I would say our relationship strictly business. I've never gone to his house for dinner. Uh, don't hang out much uh, or at all, really, off the golf course. Uh, but we really enjoy to go going at it on the golf course. If our schedules uh, match up, um, we'll definitely play. And we talked about this off season a little bit during the COVID uh, COVID time when we played it. I mean, we, we're lucky enough now to have a, a decent amount of players in California. It was a long time where where no one 
in professional golf lived in California for the most part because of taxes. But uh, we've got Xander Shoffley, which is I consider a top 10, obviously top 10 player in the world on a regular basis, probably at some time in his career, maybe the number one player in the world. You got Phil the best player of all time. You got Brendan Steele uh, just up the road about 45 minutes an hour up in the uh, Newport Beach area. Uh, you got uh, a few other guys that uh, enjoy playing golf, but uh, it's great to get a group together to push each other. Like you're, there's not a lot going on. We would uh, we would go out and play, and, uh, and Phil and I text a little bit after. It's like that's what you need to get ready for a tour event. Is I mean, you can go play a money game with a guy that's a 13 handicap, but to watch good golf shots and get, get your blood flowing and making a three footer count coming down the stretch. That's, that, that's what makes you succeed uh, uh, in professional golf. And uh, we're lucky enough in San Diego to have that. Phil and I obviously uh, try to kick each other's brains in and there's definitely a, lar a large wager usually going on uh, why that had. And, but that's good because you don't want to lose. I mean, if we were only playing for a few dollars, obviously you got some pride and uh, ego going on, but you don't want to, you don't want to fork over that envelope envelope of cash at the end of the day uh envelope, envelope. i love Damn. the envelope that's different units than we play that must be different units. They're, they're they're nice they're they're nice units when you win they're nice not nice units when you lose but uh who what who's up lifetime oh lifetime. You're not phil, uh phil, phil's up lifetime phil phil's got me a, a decent amount of times for a decent amount but I, I i would say uh as of late i've i've beat him more often than not but that that hasn't been hard the way he's been playing but now <laughs> there it is. There, there it is. The seagull just dropping, <laughs> dropping loads. I will tell you who absolutely has been smoking me, which is Xander. There was a time that we were playing a month back or so. I mean, he'd shoot nine or ten under every time we played. We went out and played. I, we were going to play, and he's like, let's go play again. We don't play for nearly as much as Phil, but speaking of rivalry, it, it's it's ego between me and Xander because I used to get him when he was younger and before he became a, the world-class player he is. And he's gotten me back tenfold now. I mean, the guy is a machine. He shoots nine, ten under every time he plays it, plays at home. I mean, it's insane how good he is. And, and we stepped the first tee test one day, and I'm like, I'm not playing you. I'll play a team game. I'll get my partner or whatever, but I'm not playing you. It's the first time I've ever said that to anyone. Wow. wow. He clipped your wings. He clipped the seagull's wings. I, I shoot four or five under. I'm like, I feel pretty good about myself. I'm not shooting nine or ten under today. I'm just not going to oh have it. Oh, my goodness. That is breaking news. That is shocking news. Charlie, Charlie Hoffman turns down a wow. game from fellow PGA Tour Pro. Is he the most underrated guy on tour? Because like Colt and I do a radio show and like he is never the name that's mentioned in, in all these big events. Like he's never a name that's on the front of everybody's lips. Like this is the guy to look out for this week, but he's so good. Exactly. Yep. Is he the most slept on guy? I don't want to say slept on, but most underrated. Yeah, I guess he doesn't really have that personality of the JT, the Ricky Fowler, so on and so forth. But his golf game speaks for uh for himself there's no question uh, and i think he i think he sort of likes not being the name because it gives him a little chip on his shoulder to be completely honest i think it's a uh, that chip that sort of drives him a little bit i think he'll be a name uh someday but uh i know he plays that chip that people don't give him the respect that he deserves and uh he i mean it, if it's a big event his name is up there every single time it's it's actually unreal i mean i don't know the numbers but if you you throw his last x amount of majors i mean i between rick the young jordan ricky the young guys I, I almost guarantee you his combined score is lower than theirs yeah what 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 would you say the best part of xander shoffley's game is mental 
Yeah. Because you, you took him under that little seagull wing. Does he have that it factor like you talked you know about? No, I, I, I try. I, he was he was beyond it. Uh, I remember the first one of the first times playing. We were playing uh, Tory Pines together uh, before his rookie year in San. Or his rookie year, obviously playing Tory Pines in San Diego, and he was hitting like crap. But he was grinding his ass off out there and hitting chip shots and wanted. To, and I think we ended up pushing that day. But he that he had it. Like he didn't he didn't. Like some people hit, why am I hitting it right? This is whatever. I don't know what's going on. He just, you hit it when found it. And hit, hit a left when found it. Made pars and birdies from no matter where you hit it. Never had an excuse. Never, never made anything up. He just went and played golf. And uh, he, his mental side is, is as strong as anybody on tour. Uh, we always joke. He, he goes, I, I just, I just want to be as mentally strong as Webb Simpson. He thinks Webb Simpson is the most positive, <laughs> mentally strong guy out there, which wow. he is, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know what? He's he he's mentally strong, and guess what? A close second behind that is how he puts chips, hits the ball, and uh, does everything else. I mean, there's not a weakness in his game. He drives it. I mean, unbelievably, it's an iron. I mean, it goes on and on. That's why he, he's you don't get a top he, ten player in the world having a weakness. Yeah, sure. he is nails. Do you feel like you're taking a pay cut with Phil moving to uh, Florida here upcoming, and you're not going to get as many of those envelopes as you're accustomed to getting? I'll I'll believe Phil in Florida when I see Phil in Florida. But okay. I I mean I know I know eventually be there, but he'll still have his house down the road from me, so uh, I'm sure I'll see him plenty. Yeah, for, for sure. If Charlie Hoffman could win one regular PGA Tour event, not a major, not a players, anything like that, what would it be? Uh I mean. It, the, the monetary one would be the tour championship. I mean, well, okay. Well, I meant just like regular, not playoff, <laughs> none of that. I knew you were going to say that, by the way. The I FedEx should have thrown that in there when the I FedEx said The FedEx Cup championship. You're so greedy with money. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, you know what? It, I mean, obviously, the local town event would be, uh, it would be San Diego or Vegas would be close second behind there. I mean, I spent 20 years in Vegas going to college out there. So uh, the hometown events are always the ones you want to do well in. And uh, that, that would be it. Perfect. That's well, fair. Time you to get to stay low. out of those casinos. Keep those chips from falling out of your shirt during putting practice, bro. You got to tighten up a little bit to win in Vegas. You got to be mentally Speaking strong. Speaking of Vegas and, and chips falling out, what, what happened to Colt my pro-am year? You were supposed to play my foundation event. What happened, Colt? First, oh, off, what happened, Colt? first off, I played like 47 of your pro-am events, so let's not go there. And first off, this show's about you, not me. I'm asking the question. Yeah, we'll here, do okay? the question asking around here, But I Charles. will say, you, you started a little early for me in Vegas, okay? You started a little noon shotgun, and I kind of rolled over maybe 12.45. Noon shotgun, I didn't get a response until 2. <laughs> no, it was 12.45 for the record. Dude, noon in Vegas is 6 a.m. in every other city in the U.S. There's a six-hour different Once time again, change. this isn't about me. This is about you. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Charlie. <laughs> okay. All right. Is it time to get to emergency nine? Yeah, let's hit this little E9 right here. All right. We do this with every every guest. Nine fun questions to get to know more about the seagull, Charlie Hoffman. All right, number one. Movie made about the life of Charlie Hoffman. You can pick any actor, dead or alive, who plays you. Jeff Daniels. That's who I've written Jeff down. Jeff Daniels. I also have Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's who I had. Yes. Really? Yeah. That's who you had? Yeah. And it's the same last name, too, Perfect. which is weird. But, dude, he's a, he was a stud. Wow. Interesting. A lot of alignment. What do you think about that? What do you think about Philip Seymour Hoffman if you can't get Jeff Daniels? Eh, maybe Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> okay. Dustin Hoffman oh. would never have a mustache like that, bro. God, I love it. <laughs> All right, number two. All right, question two. Know you're a big LA Chargers guy. So, question Will it be easier to get a ticket to an LA Chargers game now that Philip Rivers and his wife and 27 kids won't be in attendance? 
<laughs> it was never hard to get a ticket for yeah, an LA Charger yeah. game. I can promise you that. And now it's going to be a little bit easier. They're the, but they're the only team prepared to play not in front of fans. So I think I think they're going to have a great season. <laughs> yeah, the Rivers family took up an entire section. So that one's going to be. Are you now. still as big a fan as you were when they were in San Diego or no? no. Not at all. You were diehard. I, mean, I, I yes, I was diehard. I would say when they went to LA, I was a follower. I was a fan in San Diego. In LA, I was a follower, or they're still in LA as a follower. And uh, I tell people I have more ties to Vegas. I w- I'm going to be more of a Raider fan than I am a Charger fan at this point, uh, just because I have so many ties to Vegas. I mean, obviously the hockey team. I'm that's my that's my team. Saw it develop from start, and uh, you know what I, I I'm I'm more the, the the it's about the town and the city more than it is actually the team and where they're located and who's playing for them. I have no ties to LA whatsoever. I got I don't like anything about LA. So uh, I'm probably more of a Raider fan. Okay, perfect. Wow, Chargers to Raiders. Well, That's back in the day when the Chargers were in San Diego, used to carry a Sharpie around just in case. Well, I, I try. So I tried to fertilize your hair one time at a game. <laughs> this is so good. Well, just just so you know, so you used good. to carry a Sharpie around just in case you know someone might notice you. So the question is, have you signed more autographs at Chargers games or dumped more beers on people's heads at Chargers? Definitely, games? definitely autographs. <laughs> Definitely on the ground. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget the time you dumped a beer on my head because I fake high fived you at a Chargers game. <laughs> and then the guy behind me wanted to punch you, and I said, "Come on down, sir. I have no idea who you are, but this would be fantastic. Please do it." <laughs> seemed- the greatest part about this is you thinking you remember what happened because I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I remember what happened actually. I have no idea how, but I actually do. This guy wants to punch incredible. you in the face. You should probably sign yeah. something with that Sharpie that you carry around in case somebody <laughs> asks you. That's so do you have a Sharpie on you right now? I do not have a Sharpie on me. Okay. Oh, we're you're not, not going to be able public. to get him to you're sign the wall public. since this is on Zoom. That's disappointing. All right, next question. Who is your favorite player on tour to give the seagull treatment to? Who do you like to go in and just sprinkle with a little bit of dump and then walk away? I, you know what? I... I, I don't discriminate. I do it to everybody. That that's why that's why I'm the seagull. I don't, I literally don't discriminate. I mean, obviously, the chatter between the group that we play with. I mean, I obviously get friends with Chapel Kisner uh, and a few other guys. But uh, you know what? Uh, I I don't just I like I like talking a little shit to everybody. So uh, I I do it to everyone. That's fair. That's Equal treatment. All right. Next question. What's the maddest you've ever been at a fan on tour? Hmm. Ooh, th- this is. <laughs> there's been a few of them. There's a couple of them, but the, I was at Liberty National one time. And I might have been. I think it was the play. It wasn't definitely wasn't a playoff event back then. Anyways, Liberty National, and I'm playing pretty good. I want to say it's. We'll say it's Friday. And if you've ever played Liberty National, the ninth hole is out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, I'm turning. I'm maybe tied for the lead or close to the lead, and I. Hit short of the green, chunk of chip, it comes back, sort of rolls back to my feet and hit it up there at about six feet and miss, make double. And after I make double some, or miss the putt for bogey, this guy, one guy out there, I mean, probably one guy out there, goes, choke! I'm like, first of all, it's freaking Friday. So I go up underneath the ro- I go up underneath the ropes and get in his fat, go, what the fuck do you say? <laughs> 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 yep, there it is. <laughs> oh, I didn't say anything, and somehow my brother-in-law, which never watched me play golf, was out. Not my brother. <laughs> yeah, brother, brother-in-law. It comes out and get, oh, it gets in front of me, and I mean, I, I was a little hot. 
course, my caddy at the time, Miguel, was nowhere to be seen. He was already on the other tee, like running away. Didn't want to get in any confrontation back, backing up. But uh, I've been I've been hot a few times with a few fans. I've calmed down a ton. Uh, but uh, I was pretty. There's there's other stories I can go on about being hot of fans, but that was that was probably one of them. The old choke on Friday. And for, for the record, <laughs> choke. I thought you were going to say Hartford at Hartford. Hartford was the easy one, but the the other one was a lot of people didn't see that one. Hartford, a lot of people know the Hartford one. But by the way, to be fair, I got heckled the worst I've ever been heckled in my life at Hartford twice. So those people up there, they're uh, they're ruthless. We're still trying to identify this this cult heckler, perennial cult heckler up in Hartford. If anyone knows, Sleaze wants to have him on the show. I want to have him on the show. I got to meet this guy. He hates Colt for some reason, and I <laughs> hates me. I love this man. He just came out of the blue and heckled Colt to death every year, and I, I, hate I need to know who this is. All right, next question. All right, next question. Which PGA Tour player would benefit most in getting a hair transplant with the hair that you cut off a few years ago? Uh, you know, there's been some good trans- transformations already. I mean, I think, I think Strelman's made a huge transformation uh, through the years. Uh, Zach's still trying uh, to get some better hair. Uh, to give up. Uh, Bill Bill Haas needs 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 some hair. Uh, but who who's a blonde? I mean, you got to have some blonde hair to get that's losing it. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the easy one. I need it. Well, I mean, let's be honest here. I need that hair back. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's you should have saved it, dude. They could throw that. They could staple that right into the front of your head right now. Dude, the skull wouldn't look that good. I mean, you want to see the five? Wow. 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 Allinger told me to ask you about the five head. It might be six now. Oh, you could my land a goodness. 747 on that I bitch. I love it. Allinger had it's so still, many It still has that. less room than Colts. That's all I know. It's true. If I had hair, it wouldn't be fair, Charlie. Just remember that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next question. What's the worst injury you've ever suffered on the golf course? Uh, I don't, I mean, I, my back's gone out on the golf course before. Uh, I've never uh, suffered like an extremely bad injury. Uh, but I've, I mean, getting older, I've, I've been over a few times and like just locks up seized or whatever. But uh, to be completely honest right now, right now I'm playing with a torn or a slight tear in my right arm tendon. So uh, that's, that's, decent pain for the last X amount of months. So, uh, trying to fight through that. And, uh, as, as I say, getting old is not for pussies, Colt. That's true. That is a fact. That's why I quit. One of the many, re- one of the many reasons, but I once again thought you were going to go with a different answer. And I assumed it was going to be hmm. the time you tried to wrestle that wave in Cabo after making birdie on 16, but you know, it's your opinion. It's your show. <laughs> a little $800 birdie decided to go jump, take a little That's dip right. in the ocean. Yeah. Yep. Mother Nature don't lose. <laughs> Mother Nature's undefeated. Father Time and Mother Nature, they don't lose. If anybody's been in Cabo and tried to jump in those waves, there's some severe undertow in those. There's a reason you're not supposed to jump in the ocean there at El Dorado. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, last question. At least you didn't have clothes on. All right, last question. No, last question from me. This is it. Is this the last yeah. one? Yeah. All right, last one. Is it true that Adam Scott left UNLV after only one semester because he couldn't handle being the second best looking guy on the team? Well, obviously. (laughs) There's a lot of rumors about that going around. Uh, He's like, I can't be on the team with this Charlie guy. We all know Bill Lundy was the best looking guy out there. It's a fact. (laughs) My favorite thing about Bill Lundy is every time he wins something, it gets canceled the next year. He, he won the Kodak challenge, gone. He won Turning Stone, gone. 
I'm like, Bill, you got to quit because every time you win something, it's gone the next year. Cool. Keep your chin up. Things will turn around soon. First off, it's chins. If you're going to say it right, it's right. Keep your chins up. You stole that from John Malinger. Get get your story straight, okay? Yeah, cite your source. Oh, thank God you're good at golf. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's good. Well, Charlie, it's been an absolute blast. Thanks so much for joining us on Golf Subpar. You're okay. I don't Never call me again. Commissioner Siegel. Thank you, my man. That was the Seagull. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. And that was the Seagull, Charlie Hoffman. He's the guy I love to hate or hate to love. I'm not sure which way it works. No, you guys have a very, very complicated relationship. I can tell there's a lot of love between the two of you, but also there's probably no one you'd rather give the needle to more than uh, Mr. Charles. We didn't even get into one of my favorite stories with him when I was leading Hilton Head um, going into Sunday in 2012. And we were over at the same house every night, eating dinner, playing gin. And I was just on a roll that week. I was playing great golf. I was playing great gym. Everything Couldn't lining lose. up. And this is no no kidding. I, I, we're playing heads up. He do, throws me a card. I yell, Jen. He takes his cards, throws them at my face, and goes, fuck you. I hope you shoot 80 tomorrow. <laughs> and he meant it. That's a friend. Yep. That is a true friend. We also didn't get into, which I meant to ask him about, was because we just had Kevin Stadler on, and we talked about his historic Project X style victory party at the mm-hmm. Phoenix Open when he won. Charlie Hoffman was a big part of that, and I had some funny memories from him. That was the first time I'd ever met Charlie at the time, and he was in the runnings for most valuable player of that he night. Is not I'm scared. sure he remembers none of it. Yeah, he's not scared to get amongst it. And now one of my favorite things I've learned is after a night of drinking, he does not take any pain medication because he feels like he deserves the hangover. I, That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I actually respect that. He's like, no, no. dude, I did this to myself. I'm going to wear this. I'm going to wear this for the entire day, probably multiple days at I this think, age. And also, the only thing more surprising than him and Zach Johnson missing a combined like 30 straight cuts to start their career on the now Corn Ferry Tour was that those two roomed together. That is the together. odd couple of all odd couples. Like I would never have put those two in the same hotel room traveling around the nationwide at the time or the web.com or whatever it was. It's crazy. Would have never put those two together. And by the way, since we're about to get into our gambling picks, what kind of odds could you have got that those two would turn out to have the careers that they yeah. had on the PJ tour? Like, Hey, you want these two nitwits over 30 on the web.com tour right now? Yeah. You can get one of them to win a couple majors and you can get the other one to have a bunch million. of wins on Charlie's the, yeah, yeah, almost 30 million on yeah. tour and earnings. You want that bet? That was going off at big plus money. Crazy, crazy stuff. That was a lo- fun, though. A lot of fun with the Seagull, Charlie Hoffman. We appreciate him joining us. But now it is time to get to the gambling segment. Yes, and I need an update the on the program. It's getting very interesting. I think I, I chipped like. away a little bit, producer Mark. Yeah, there was some chipping away. Um, you guys canceled out there on your picks of Xander Shoffley for Sleaze, and then you came in with Billy Horschel. Both, Billy Ho. Both, both tied for 13th. Those checks canceled out, but Colt, you had all four of your players make the cut this week, which helped. And oh. the only other one that Drew had was Mark Leishman at a T40. So it's down to a lead of $500,056. Use your numbers. Use, <laughs> read your numbers. Our producer, Mark, he's a producer, not a mathematician. By the way, there was a time with like five holes left on Friday. You and I were playing golf that day, and I was like, I'm going to get four. Dude. I'm yeah. going to have go 0 for 4 on my picks this week. I, I really thought you were. Leishman Xander and, and Leishman Xander both made it on the number. Kind of backdoored their way mm-hmm. into and that thing. And, of course, Xander, Xander goes out and God. finishes top 20 like a damn Unbelievable. He was my top guaranteed top 10 last week. Thought he missed the cut, and then he missed top Especially after shot. Charlie Hoffman talking about he shoots 10 under every day. I was never more confident than the Xander Shoffley play. I was like, oh, well, he's going he's gonna to win. All right. Well, another right, exciting tight. week. On the PJ Tour, we are heading to the Twin Cities, the 3M Championship. It's your honor. Um, yeah, I I do have the honor. Not the strongest field of the year, I would have to say. Yes. It's Very the top first, heavy. First step down. All right. With the number one pick 
in this mm. week's draft. I'm going with a guy who was in the final group, go ahead into the weekend at the Memorial Tournament, finished tied for 23rd at the 3M last year, had an awful weekend at the Memorial, but he's got a new caddy on the bag, new face to look at, long-hitting Tony Finau. Yeah, who's, who is now unleashing the fury on some of his drives, following mm-hmm. a little bit of the DeChambeau And this is a mold. big hitter's ballpark. Yes. That's another many, one of many reasons I was off on the weekend. Are you shocked by the caddy change? Because this is just news to me, like, right now, basically. I really am. I got a text from a, a Gary Woodland's caddy out there asking me for a few phone numbers, for, um, and I wasn't sure why. And he's like, um, Finau decided to make a caddy change. And I'm like, oh. Interesting. Interesting, because I know they're very good friends, him and his caddy, Greg. Um, they've had a long run together. But listen, man, when you're as talented as Tony Finau and you haven't crossed that finish line in a very long time and the only one you have is Puerto Rico, sometimes you got to make a change. And you, I mean, you can't put yourself on the bench. Can't blame yourself no, at any time. At I switch caddies every week. But, yeah. yeah, I was surprised to see him do that. But I like that pick. And um, I was hoping – there was a time where I was hoping – he since neither of us picked him, I was like, I hope Finau wins this mm-hmm. thing. It would have been a great one. But – his time's coming, hopefully. All right, I'm going to go with my number one pick in this in this week's draft. This could be the dumbest pick <laughs> in the history, or this could be the best pick, but I'm picking a guy that's coming off back-to-back 80 burgers. And if anyone knows about back-to-back 80s, it's sleaze. And typically, that's not a sign of great form. But DJ, Dustin Johnson, going off at 10-1, to 1, the betting favorite, despite the fact that he didn't break 80 last week. I don't know if this is stupid or smart, but it is a bomber's golf course. And if anyone in the world of golf has a short-term memory, it's Dustin Johnson. I think he's, he's overcome be just some fine. crazy shit. Yeah. So uh, I'm throwing out last week and just saying, hey, this is probably the best player in the field. I will take him and uh, roll the dice with DJ. I, I don't. There's only like four or five guys in top 25, 25 yep. to one or better this week. And Brooks is one who this nobody, is a wide open nobody knows. And I think Paul Casey was the other one who, by the way, last week was 80 to one to give you some reference on the strength of field. Well, and he... And he took the weekend off, so he, that kind of yeah, made sense. He's fresh, though. All right, who's Slee's guy with pick number two? This is my favorite pick of my draft this week. I'm going with a guy who's had incredible form lately. Mr. Harish English is the last two events. He's 17th, 13th at the RBC uh, and the Memorial. He, this year, sneaky, not getting a lot of pub, but five top tens on the year this year. He's played great. In his last six, he's got one miscut at Colonial the first week back after the break, and his worst finish other than that is uh, 17th. He's playing good golf. Mm-hmm. I think he's under the radar, and I, he's my favorite pick of the lot. He's a week. very good golfer. He is I'm, not I'm, terrible at golf. I'm a big Harris English fan. All right, pick number two for me. Guy who had it going last week, ended up finishing 38th, struggled on Sunday like a lot of guys, but finished tied for seventh here last year, having a very sneaky good year, not getting enough credit. Man can strike his golf ball. Hits Lucas it. Glover going off at 35-1. to 1. Hits it. I had a little bet on him last week as well, too. Tita Green, tough to find better than him. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, pick number three. This is where we get into the dark horses, and this is where pretty much the whole field is. Yeah. Is outside of 50 to one. This guy, another guy that's having a great year. He's 38th in the FedEx Cup and never gets talked about. He's very quiet. One of my favorite people. I call him the princess for yes. many reasons. We'll get into that another time. But he tied for fifth here last year at the 3M. He's 66 to one. Carlos Ortiz. Yes. Carlito, the the soft spoken Carlos Ortiz. I love him. Yeah. He's, he's, the, He's a beauty, and he, you're right. He doesn't get enough credit. I'm, um, you know, like you said, the whole field is basically back here, mm-hmm. 50 or plus. So, like, you, there's a lot of room to run here. All right, I like that pick. I'm going to go with a guy never been picked before on this show. This is kind of fun this week because we're not picking the same dudes. I'm done picking Sungjae for a while. I'm going <laughs> with a new guy here, guy we recently had on radio, awesome guy, huge talent, recently got special temporary membership on the PJ Tour based on his third-place finish at the Travelers. Vanderbilt grad and upcoming stud, I believe, Will Gordon. Um mm-hmm. 
played five events this year on the PGA Tour. He's top 21 in three of the five, obviously has the game. And in talking with some of the guys who are more familiar with this golf game, they're like, nobody hits it further that looks like they don't hit it farther than Will Gore. It's like kind of effortless. You get out there, he hits it like, oh, good drive. Then you get up there and he's 30 yards in front of everyone else. Well, for the record, as usual, you got your stats wrong. What's that? Uh, he has been picked on this program. I picked him in Detroit the week after he finished third, and he missed the cut. Oh, okay. You did so get on him early. Get you your didn't facts know. straight. You didn't know when to t- pick him But I am up. a big fan. Ever since we had him on the Sirius XM show, Gravy in the Sleaze, he was he was awesome. And there's I like a weight off his shoulder. Yeah. He needed to play his way on a tour. Now he's essentially done. I think it's already done, but it's pretty much done. And now he can just kind of go out and free will. All right. My last pick going off at 80-1. to 1, His game is... His results haven't been there, but his game, as he says, is very, very close. I love his. He's one of my favorite golf swings on the PJ Tour. One of my favorite people to interview, Mr. Max Homa, going off at eighty to one. I think he's due for a good week. Yeah, I absolutely. In, in talking with him, he's like, I'm close. I'm close. I'm just mm-hmm. not getting the scores. Love Max Homa. Would never say a bad thing about him. I'm gonna go on the other side of that. Friend of the program, Max Homa. Guy, I don't know really shit about at all, other than that he played good last so week. So the game of golf. Henrik Norlander. <laughs> oh. I got to have somebody on my team with some recent form other than Harris English. I'm going to go Henrik Norlander. He's got two top fi- two top 15s in his last four starts. Seems like the best form of all I could find in all the 50-plus to one guys and the odds this week. Sixth last week at Muirfield. Played well on a really hard golf course. So this is more just a stab in the dark. And I, I, you could have gone one of 30 ways down here, and I'm going to just pick one guy that's happened to play good last well, week. Well, let me give you a quick story on Henrik Norlander. You're going to love this and like make it, make your pick even better okay. right now. So believe it or not, Henrik Norlander lives in Augusta, Georgia. When Josh Gregory went to SMU, who was the head coach, Henrik Norlander stepped in to be interim head coach at Augusta State. Okay. Whatever it's called now. It's, I don't think it's called that anymore. But anyways, they they didn't he was done for the season. They didn't they needed a golf coach. So he he's their coach for a couple of weeks. They come to Dallas, Texas to play a tournament, college tournament at Royal Oaks Country Club. He's the coach. They're in the van. Well, that week they were doing, it's normally a five count four format. Right. That week it was six count five. So the team knew, obviously, there's six guys there. And one of the one of the kids goes, uh, Coach Norlander, what's the format this week since we have six guys? He goes, I don't know. But for y'all's sake, I hope it's a fucking scramble. <laughs> <laughs> so That's my coach. That's, that's, that's my guy. coach right That is there. your guy. All right. I'm more solidified than ever. I may pick him every week going forward based on uh, that He's right the there. best. He's coach good. of the year. So I call, I've called him coach ever since that's then. Pu- that is perfect. All right. To recap, I got Tony Finau, Lucas Glover, Carlos Ortiz, Max Homa. I'm going with my hot hand DJ coming off 80 <laughs> burgers. I'm going Harris English middle tier, Will Gordon, Henrik Norlander, my favorite coach in NCAA history at my four spot. All right. That'll do it for us this week everyone good luck with all your picks next week another great guest our first caddy on the show the long caddy. time caddy for ricky fowler joe scovern will be joining us here on golf subpar everyone have a great week we'll talk to you next week